Hey guys, welcome to the Quacks Podcast. Now today I have an interview with Clint Ober for you. He is the discoverer of what is called grounding or earthing. Now if you've never heard of grounding, it's basically when you connect your body in some way to the earth. That may mean walking around barefoot or uh, using a bracelet, sheet, or pad that is connected to the grounding hole in a wall socket. And if that sounds like some crazy hippie logic, just connect to the earth, man. Well, Clint's work has catalyzed over 20 different studies now showing that grounding can help inflammation, sleep, pain and stiffness, circulation, blood pressure, stress, depression, anxiety, fatigue, blood glucose, blood viscosity, immunity, thyroid function, metabolism, wound healing, and the list goes on. Now, how does it do this? Well, Clint will explain it, but in a nutshell, the earth has a negative charge and is a source of electrons, and it can counteract many of these stresses and the the stress processes that are natural and in our bodies. Now, without the earth, those processes, they run wild and they cause disease. And in this interview, uh, Clint is going to tell us his story of how he discovered grounding, and it really ties a lot of the themes that this podcast has touched on together. So enjoy the interview. All right, we have Clint Ober on the podcast today. Clint, really excited to have you on. Uh, I feel honored that you came on uh, because you were the one who pretty much started, I believe, this whole earthing, grounding, you know, movement. So I really appreciate you coming on. Well, I I, um, I appreciate you taking interest in it and having me on and uh, hopefully um, uh, having a good conversation. Yes. So uh, what I'm wondering if we can get into is just you know, because you started this whole thing, I saw a little bit online of how you kind of came to it. I, you know, I saw something like you uh, grew up around some Native Americans, but why don't we just get into like, how, how did this all start? How did you get into all this? So basically, um, I, I started out in Montana and, um, my family had, uh, cattle. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, uh, taking care of cattle and animals on the, on the ranch. And my grandfather told me, he said, you know, here's what your job is to go out there and to keep your eye on, look at all the animals, make sure that they're healthy and they're happy. And if you see one that's got glassy eyes or it's not acting like it should, then you take them out of the herd. Then you go ride the pasture and find out if there's any noxious weeds or the grass is too short or something wrong with the water. And... And in doing that, you usually there, you find something wrong. But the concept is something in the pasture made the cow sick and or affected the cow's health. So <clears throat> anyhow, you move the herd to a, where there's better grass or, you know, just whatever it takes uh, to maintain the pasture in a pristine or the the cattle in a in a pasture that's pristine so that they can stay healthy. So anyhow, so I, I have this prevention bent. Uh, when I look at anything and I hear any of the kids or anybody's got a health issue, I, you know, what caused that? And that was the question I always ask. But, you know, that'll come up later. But anyhow, after growing up in that environment, then I also grew up, um, you know, next to the Native American and they're kind of earthy people. In the sense, back then, a lot of them still lived in the teepees. Government came in, moved them into houses. They moved back out in the TVs. And then in the late 50s, they came back, moved them in, and took away their teepees. But mm-hmm. anyhow, uh, so so anyhow, I, I kind of, you know, nature. I, was, I grew up in nature, and I spent a lot of time in nature. And the Native American culture, they kind of teach 
and uh, you know that everything's connected it's all one the grass is your cousin all that kind of stuff and so anyhow you, you just grow up with that outlook <clears throat> and uh, but anyhow after i left there i went to work in the communications industry um <clears throat> where we had you know low power television translators television stations and microwave all that kind of stuff and cable television and i focused mostly on cable cable television and anyhow, in the early days in Montana, you have one or two signals off air, and the um, one was right and one was left, and anyhow, so it was all kind of you lived in a little bubble. Um, but when cable came along, and we could, you know, bring TV channels in from Helena or Casper or Wyoming or Denver, and you know, have more to see, but more than anything else, we got to see how other people, other people's news, so our world expanded. <laughs> And then, so I fell in love with that concept, and um, that was back in the early 60s, and so I uh, you know, cut my teeth in the cable TV industry. I'm, I guess I'm one of the original pioneers up in Montana, um, and um, so we started building cable systems, and um, you know, in that industry, if you're going to run a wire into the home, First of all, in order to have electrical stability in your system, you have to ground everything to the earth so there's no noise, there's no um, static charges, and, and you protect everything from lightning and fire. And <clears throat> so uh, anytime you build a cable system, all the uh, cable that's in the air, the aerial cables, uh, you have to ground them uh almost every other pole to the ground and the reason is because the wind blows and it creates static electricity on the lines or if there's lightning or any kind of charge in the atmosphere then it'll <clears throat> hit those cables and it needs to go to ground so <clears throat> grounding is you know anybody in the communications industry grounding is uh, essential i mean it's something you know everything about because there's noise or instability it's usually related to lack of ground so anyhow, in when the cable industry, uh, before we put a cable in a home or run a wire into a home, you have to install a ground block at the with the via the cable in, cut the cable and put a ground block on it, then run the cable on into the house, and that way, if there's any lightning or anything, it'll go to the ground and it won't go into the home, um, blow up a TV or start a fire. <laughs> and 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 more most important to us at that time was you have um, electrically stable um, environments so that you have good sound, good pictures, um, good data. We, and we didn't have data too much data back then, but anyhow, so everything was perfect. So we had perfect pictures, and <clears throat> so I spent thirty years in that industry. I was I retired when I was about fifty years old, and the reason I retired is I, I went had a root canal done, and I ended up with an abscess in my liver. And about a few weeks after I had that, um, I ended up in a um, you know trauma center, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong, and so they put me in a CAT scan, found out it was an abscess, drained my liver, and the next morning they. They asked me if anybody had bitten me. I said no, and they said uh, the infection that I had was from a dental, you know, from a uh, bacteria in the mouth. Mm -hmm. And then they asked if I had any dental work. And I told them yes, and they said, well, that's probably what caused it. 
And it was around Christmas time in Denver. Um, I don't remember the years anymore. <laughs> but but anyhow, I um, uh, uh, they, so the good news was they found out what it was. The bad news was that it had created a lot of damage to my liver. And I was young enough to get a new liver, and I wasn't an alcoholic or anything. And But the problem was I didn't have the time, they said, to do that. So <clears throat> anyhow, uh, they fixed me up, sent me home kept me on IVs, and they told me the best thing for you to do right now is to go home and get everything in order. You know, like, you may not survive this. Wow. And a couple, a couple three days later, uh, a young surgeon called from, um, I think it was Swedish Medical Center in Denver, and they said, um, <clears throat> you know, we understand your condition, and we think that uh, uh, we'd like to go in and try to cut out as much of the liver as we can and and do whatever and keep you alive And because the liver grows back. But they didn't know how much they could take out and still sus- sustain normal function. And so anyhow, I went in and went through the surgery. I didn't have any option. And and I did survive, and I'm just grateful for that. <laughs> Very painful, but it took me about you know six months before I could really walk very far. Uh, I would add a few steps every day, and um, um, <clears throat> so in the process, uh, I went through this kind of phase, you know, that wow, I almost died, and I lived in Evergreen, Colorado, up on a up on a mountain area, and I had a five thousand square foot one bedroom a-frame home i had cars i had everything you could you know everybody you know 50 year old guy everything you could ever want you know playing king of the mountain like we all do and here i was about to die and if and i looked out and i said you know if i if i were to to die you know what would happen to all this stuff i spent my whole life collecting it and so i i just kind of went through this um phase where i i didn't want to own anything so i called my kids told them to come and get whatever they wanted and I um, gave away the rest, sold everything. I didn't go back to work. I owned a fairly large company in Denver. I didn't go back to work, sold it to the employees. And I bought a small RV. Uh, it's 30 foot long, I guess that's small. But anyhow, so I spent the last, the next four years just driving around the country. But the big thing that hit me was, you know, that I almost died. And my whole life was about collecting all this stuff and, owning it and i never really owned it it owned me because i spent my life taking care of it once i bought it uh you know like art or anything and so i i just um and i felt i'm very uncomfortable with myself because uh if that would have been the end i would have been you know not happy with myself so i i said to myself i want i need to go find something i can do that so the next time (laughs) I go out. Uh, I can um, look back and say, you know, it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but what it means to me that I did something worthwhile and that my time was worthwhile. It was about something more than just chasing money. So that's what how this adventure started. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, I spent about four years running around the country uh, in in um, national parks primarily and nice county parks where you have good park RVs. And uh, just spending a lot of time in nature. And <clears throat> I ended up down in Key Largo on the bay side. And so every night I would look out over the Gulf of Mexico and watch the sunsets. Manatee would come up. But anyhow, one night I just had this feeling, you know, I got to go do something <laughs> other than just go around uh, and play, you know, play with the RV people. And um, 
so I, I had this feeling come over me, you know, I need to go back west. So I went back west. Um, and then I'd been out there for almost four years. And so I went back and I ended up in Tucson, Arizona. I thought I'd stay there. But, uh, and I ended up not liking that. So I ended up going up to Flagstaff, which is more like Montana, where I'm from. And on the way up the hill, I ran. It was really late. So there was a sign going into Sedona, Arizona, of all places. Never been there. And they had an RV sign there. And I said, well, I'll just go in there and spend the night and go up tomorrow. And so I pulled into an RV park there. And, and uh, uh, <clears throat> some place was closed. But you normally you just go park and pay in the morning. And so I woke up in the morning, looked outdoors. And I said, well, I'm not leaving here. This is like living in a national park. <laughs> so I ended up spending uh, about two years, a little over two years in Sedona. And while I was there, I, I, I had a lot of art originally and i always had a big interest in art and and i had a background in stage lighting when i was a kid and so they have a lot of art galleries there so i started whenever they would bring a you know a special artist to town or do a, a major show of any kind in one of the local galleries i would go in and light it up for them and they could you know make it look really good and um <clears throat> so um one day when i was finishing something i went back to my little cubby hole and I was typing on the computer and the computer kept crashing every time I would, this is back in 98, 1998. Mm. <clears throat> so the computer kept crashing and I knew that it was static electricity. So I went and got a piece of copper tape, taped it across the front of my desk, connected it to a ground wire and connected it to the electrical ground. So then when, before I touched the computer, I would touch the copper, then I would go touch my computer startup and I never had any problems because I discharged the static on my body before I started playing with the computer. Today, most computers are grounded, so you don't have those problems. But back in, you know, 98, 97, 98, you know, those computers were pretty fragile and very, very electrically sensitive. So, but anyhow, that's where it all started. And then after I got through doing that, I went outdoors and I just sat on a bench and here up pulls a big tour bus. And it was full of, uh, it was a group from, I believe, Japan. And the odd thing about it is they were all wearing kind of a white Nike type tennis shoe. And it kind of stood out. It was obvious that they were all white. And I thought, well, they'd just been to a strip mall and everybody, they were on sale and everybody bought a pair. But anyhow, um, I intuitively ask, I said, I wonder if there's a consequence to us humans no longer being grounded. And we build up the static electricity on our body. And, and um, be because before we were always grounded, we were always uh, in, in the old days when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in the late forties and early fifties. And back then you were barefoot. Most of the time you were, your shoes were leather and you, if it rained, you didn't have galoshes or some kind of a rubber cover. You had to take your shoes off and carry them so they didn't get wet because that would um, ruin their leather shoes. So anyhow, barefoot is very common. And, and, um, I didn't know this just came out of nowhere. And so that night I went home and I, um, did the same thing at my house. I took a meter out and I went out and I started measuring the difference when I'm grounded on my body versus when I'm not grounded. 
And of course, you have static electricity every time you, if you have synthetic clothing of any kind on, or carpeting and rubber shoes or whatever, every time you lift your foot or move anything, uh, you create static charges. Uh, they're they're mostly unknown, unnoticed to people. The only people you know that that really are concerned about static are if you work in a dynamite factory or gasoline or. <laughs> uh, Software, chips, computers, anything, you know, 911 centers, any mission critical. The, the people, the employees have to be grounded to prevent static electricity from creating a problem. And, but in the, in, the, in the home, you don't think about it. And uh, it's really not a problem by and large. Um, so, but I, I did recognize there was a lot of EMF, you know, the, the electric fields that are radiating from the electrical appliances, cords, uh, the wiring in your walls. And as you go from how, a room to room, it'll change. You get closer to an electrical appliance, it'll go up. <clears throat> and if you get close to certain walls, it'll go up. Um, and you go to a refrigerator and there's none. Um, and, and so <clears throat> then I recognized this, the refrigerator was grounded or the chassis on the refrigerator. So anyhow, I, I went through the house and then I rec recognized in the bedroom is where the, they were the highest. Wow. Because I, because I was laying down on a bed and then you have the wiring in the walls at the head of your bed where, you know, electrician comes in and waist high, they run the wires back and forth before they put the wallboard on. And, so, and up and down to the switches and to the sockets and the cords. And so <clears throat> there's a, you know, a lot of wire in your house uh, that you don't, it's invisible because you don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people are worried about EMF on a lamp. Well, that's not a problem. It's the wiring in your, but it, so anyhow, when they put the wallboard up, then you put your bed in there, you put your uh, head on a pillow and, and you, so your head is within six inches of these electrical wires in the wall. And most people don't know about this, and they don't worry about it. <clears throat> and I didn't really worry about it, except that I thought, well, I'm going to ground myself and see if there's a see what happens here. So I went and got some metal duct tape that you would use on <clears throat> for metal ducts, you know, for ducting for um, furnaces and so on. And I laid it across my bed, and I connected it to an alligator clip into a wire. Threw it out the window, connected it to a homemade ground rod, and then I <clears throat> took a meter and, and connected it to the ground. And then I would test my body to see. And as long as I was on the metal tape, the conductive tape, then I was grounded and I had no charge on my body. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But I was just laying in bed playing with the meter, and uh, next thing I knew, it was morning, and the meter was laying down beside my side. And I thought, wow, there's something going on here because normally for me to go to sleep, I have to take Advil. You know, I was 50 years old. I was raised on a ranch. I was a cowboy. I skied for 30 years. I played tennis. I've, you know, done. <laughs> I, yeah. I've, I've beaten myself up pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. When I was a kid, we do on weekends, we'd just go ride, you know, pay our entry fee and ride in rodeos just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, steer riding or whatever. But, you know, a couple six packs and a, and a $20 bill, you can have a pretty good weekend. <laughs> uh, but, but anyhow, um, so I, I thought, well, there's something really significant here because uh, this is the first time I've laid down and went to sleep with no problem um, in a long time. And so I did that for a couple more days, same thing, put down more tape. And then I was 
you know, a couple. I had a couple of friends there, and I said, you know, you guys got to try this. I don't know if you if you don't have any sleep problems, it won't probably be anything. But you know, everybody has sleep problems. So, and we and when you live in Sedona, there's not a lot to do, you know. So, <laughs> uh, so anyhow, I grounded, grounded a few of my friends, and um, um, so one of them came over a couple of days later, and he said, you know, he says, Sir, do you think this could have any effect on my arthritis? And I said, I don't think so. I think it just about sleep. And and then all and then I remembered that my pain, my pain had gone way down and almost insignificant. And I thought, wow, there's you know, there's something going on here. Then I uh, back then we had AOL and you had data retrieval, Nexus Lexus, where you go into databases, retrieve information, tried to find out what I could about, you know, how grounding affects health. There's nothing in the literature at all. I went down to the University of Arizona found a friend of mine down there that uh, by the name of Gary Schwartz who was um, he ended up doing a couple of studies for it but anyhow just asking you know is there anything in the literature do you ground i mean why does ground grounding a body affect pain why does it affect sleep and they said well it doesn't and i said well it certainly does hmm. and but anyhow so there was nothing in the literature at all came back to sit on and spent a couple three or four weeks and i said you know this is real it works and everybody we play with it the same thing if they have arthritis just ground their hand and the arthritis pain will come down and so we so i said well i got to figure this out so i hopped in my rv and i drove out to la and i went to ucla because I figured those guys are smart. They know everything. And I went in and connected with some people in the sleep lab and told them what I wanted. I said, you know, there's no information. They didn't have any information except that when you operate on people, you have to ground them, you know, to prevent any static uh, sparks or anything from creating uh, a cardio event or if they're using cartorization or if they're um, if there's any gas or, or oxygen in the room. So everything does have to be grounded to prevent static in, in OR. Um, <clears throat> so anyhow, I got to meet with some high profile down there and and I told him what I was doing and, and he said, you expect me to believe that if somebody's going to put a nail in the ground, tie a wire around it, and then go tie it around somebody's toe, that they're going to sleep better. I said, "Well, not exactly. I mean, you know, make them sleep on something." And he said, "I, you know, he says, he says, you, how do you say, it? you know, you're crazy, you're nuts, <laughs> or get out of here, you're nuts, you're crazy, something like." That. And we all laughed about it, and so we did carry on a conversation. But he said, "You know, it costs five million dollars to do a study, and could take three to five years, and." Um, and 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 then there may not be any results and even if there were results it may never get published and i said well that's kind of a dumb idea so i went up to ventura and because uh, i had some friends up there and i just parked there and and i got a hold of the kids that i met down at ucla i said why don't you guys help me design a study i want to do it myself and so i hired a nurse had had these kids help me we pulled together uh, you know, a protocol for a study. I made up 60 ground, ground, ground mats. They were 12 inches wide, 24 inches long. They were conductive cloth. And so I glued them to a felt pad, connected them to a wire with a snap, and then connected the wire to either a ground rod. You know, to a, I mean, they would go out connected to a ground rod or to the electrical ground. And in the study, half of them were working ground, half of them were uh, dummy ground. 
And so we rounded up 60 people to do a study, most of them via beauty salons uh, in Ventura, and because they were the easiest place to find people who had pain and would talk about it. Guys would never talk about it. I, you know, no pain, no gain. But the women, yeah, I've got pain. Give me two of them. <laughs> and so anyhow, we ended up getting 60 subjects, and the, we put their names in a hat. 30 of them were grounded, and the only person that knew that would, was the nurse um, <clears throat> and myself. And then the, the kids that were doing the helping with the study, they knew nothing. So it was a double blind. And then I went out and installed the pads in the homes. And then 30, 30 days later, we had another lady that came and uh, went out to the homes and did a questionnaire and picked up and retrieved the product the uh, grounding product so that we could verify. And anyhow, about a month later when they were digesting all of the results, we noticed, well, first of all, the grounded subjects, they all had improved sleep, reduced pain, and just general overall well-being. But there was some of the younger women, they had a significant reduction of PMS. Uh, A couple of them had reduction of tinnitus, uh, arthritis, all kinds of things. And so, and then the ungrounded, I mean, the ungrounded people, the people that weren't grounded, they had, you know, no significant changes. Uh, I mean, this study is on the earthinginstitute.net on their website under research. And um, it was the first, you know, it was more of an anecdotal study than anything at that time. And so, but it was enough evidence that that I could get um, uh, medical people to take an interest. And so, anyhow, in that study, it was, um, I I found, after that study, and it was published immediately in the ESD journal, which is electrostatic discharge, in the industry where everybody is grounded, you know, employees are grounded, everybody's grounded, uh, and, and all employees. And so they took an interest in it and they published it because then their idea was, well, if our employees are healthier because they're grounded, you know, and but that wasn't my goal. Um, so I ended up meeting a, a retired anesthesiologist by the name of Morris Golly in San Diego. And he said, I, I really interested in what you're doing. He said, I don't think it's what you think it is. He said, but I'd like to, you know, do a small study. And so we can rule out what it is and isn't uh, based on his expertise. I understood most everything about electrical, but I didn't understand hardly anything about physiology. And what I was surprised to learn is most people back then didn't, I mean, in the medical and research industry, they knew little about electrical. Um, so it was kind of interesting. So anyhow, we filed an IRB. We ended up getting 12 subjects. Uh, they were primarily women. And so he wanted to test cortisol. So we uh, measured their cortisol, their circadian cortisol, every four hours for 24 hours before grounding. And then a month later, six weeks later, we had them do it again, uh, grounded them. And then we had them uh, I measured the cortisol every four hours for 24 hours. And then we, so we had a profile before grounding and after grounding. And this study is also at the earthinginstitute.net, the cortisol study. But anyhow, so what it showed was 
that when they, after grounding or before grounding, their circadian cortisol secretion profiles were kind of like spaghetti. Older women were, were exhausted, very low. Younger women were very high. But they weren't, um, I mean, they were, they were like spaghetti. Hmm. And, but the, after the grounding, then their profiles all synchronized. They were all in perfect bands. The younger ladies came down, the older ladies came up. And, and it just normalized. And so what we recognized was, okay, there's two things we recognized that cortisol is related to inflammation and uh, fight or flight and stress and all these things. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> exhausted adrenals is related to um, living in a chronically elevated sympathetic state, which is, so, you know, he had this all tied together. And so he said, well, what we have here is one, we're reducing pain because that's why everybody's cortisol is leveling out and and stress you know stress and pain to him and and he used the word oxidative oxidative stress uh meaning now back then in 2000 they didn't talk about inflammation that was not a term that was in common in the medical literature yeah sure uh, that that didn't come along until 2004. So anyhow, he said, well, everybody's re reporting reduction of pain, so we're, we're affecting pain. And we see this, we, we see the grounding affects pain. We hear it, we don't know, but we didn't know the mechanism of action. What's causing this to happen? And so what we thought we would do is first of all, do a larger cortisol study, but everybody got excited that we showed it to it. And they said, no, let's test this, let's test that. And so we did a lot of studies trying to measure the electrical pathways of the body and the electrical phenomena of the body. And then we ended up, ended up uh, again, asking the question, why does grounding do, what happens in the body that causes grounding to reduce inflammation or pain? And so anyhow, we ended up meeting a cardiologist in uh, uh, Connecticut. His name was Stephen Sinatra. We thought, well, you know, cardiologists, they understand electrical because the heart's electrical. And, and he did. And, and he really got what we were doing. And he said, he said, Clint, he said, if you're affecting pain, he says, you need to look at inflammation. That was the first time I ever heard the word inflammation. And, and I didn't know what it was. Um, and he said, because you can't have inflammation. I mean, you can't have pain unless you have oxidative stress or inflammation, because that's the fire that creates the pain that, you know, the screams, that's the body's way of saying, hey, I'm, I'm on fire here and I need to put the fire out. Getting ahead of myself there a little bit. But <clears throat> so anyhow, I uh, started doing research and I ended up researching uh, white blood cells and learning about the oxidative burst and um, uh, reactive oxygen species. And then I learned that neutrophils are the primary promoter of inflammation or oxidative, oxidative stress. And <clears throat> what they do is they, you know, they come, if you have a pathogen or a damaged cell, a neutrophil will come over and it'll wrap itself around the pathogen. And then it releases reactive oxygen species. And these are electrically charged molecules. They're kind of an acid. And they will rip electrons from the pathogen or the damaged cell. And that's how the immune system disposes of them. 
um, pretty, <laughs> pretty simplistic. Then I said, okay, that's okay. Now we know that the immune system is electrical because reactive means that these are electrically charged molecules and they steal electrons. So that's an electrical event. So then we said, then we we're trying to figure out why do some people have, why when you ground the body, does it reduce this pain? It's reducing the, the, the oxidation because the pain's coming down, so the oxidation has to be coming down first. So then we began to put two and two together, and, and it's, we use cowboy logic. That's what I do best. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, well, you know, if you're if you ground, you take an electrode patch, put it in the palm of somebody's hand, they have an arthritic flare, and and the pain starts to come down, and it does immediately. Then what we're doing is we're pouring water on a fire, and we're pour, we're pouring negative charge or electrons. We're flooding the body with electrons. At that point, it's like pouring water on a fire, and it reduces the oxidation, and um, it reduces the pain. So, but still, there was missing pieces, and so it ended up coming down to. Uh, we had to eventually go back and look in history. You know what happened. Uh, you know, back in 1960, before then, most everybody was wearing rubber soles or uh, leather soles shoes, or they were barefoot. And <clears throat> like diabetes, uh, which is an inflammation-related health disorder, uh, it started to manifest in the population heavily and started increasing exponentially back in the early middle 50s, and then it just it's still rising to this day. The same with autism, lupus, MS, Parkinson's, cancer, all of these autoimmune, anything that is an autoimmune-related health disorder. Um, and I was surprised to learn the cancers. You can't have cancer unless you have chronic inflammation for an extended period. So there, these are, and so then, <clears throat> then we had to go backwards and say, okay, um, we're beginning to understand, you know, how this all works. So when the body's grounded, um, it's flooded with electrons, but how do those electrons get around in the body? <laughs> and um, uh, so the, the, the next study that came up that was most significant was we figured out how to measure the electrical surface charge on red blood cells uh, because blood goes everywhere and once a minute it circulates throughout the body. <clears throat> and when you look at people's blood, when they're ungrounded, it's kind of thick and sticky, and you have a lot of rouleau, what they call rouleau formation. And then when we grounded subjects, the, the rouleau formation would just totally instantly dissipate. So then we looked at it, and so uh, Gaetan Chevalier was the, the brains that figured this out. Uh, Steve was a cardiologist, and I was just there pushing everybody to get it done. And um, <clears throat> so anyhow, he said, well, there's an electrical, the red blood cells are electrical. I mean, they have an electrical surface charge. And so <clears throat> when they stick together, they're short of electrons, and they're sharing electrons. And that's sort of like putting, you know, electroplating a bumper. The bumper is a negative, the plating that you're putting on the bumpers net positive and you put them together and and they bond and and you can't you know it's plating electroplating so what's happening is with the blood you have an electroplation electroplation um <clears throat> that's an event that's taking case taking and then when we ground the body we're flooding the body with free electrons so the so then we decided okay let's ground the body 
this measure the electrons on the bloods before, and then let's ground the body for an hour or whatever, and then remeasure the blood. And then what we found was that the when you ground the body, then it becomes negatively it, it becomes negatively charged, like the earth itself. If the earth is conductive, the body's conductive. When you put bare feet on the earth, then you are part of the earth and you equalize, you electrically equalize with the electrical potential of the earth. You're at the same potential, meaning you are flooded with free electrons. That's what ground is. is. And then, <clears throat> so anyhow, then to our surprise, the red blood cells themselves uh, become grounded and they take on a negative charge similar to the earth itself and the more negative the red blood cell becomes then <clears throat> um, because they're round then they repel each other it's like two negatively charged magnets you push them together they'll repel each other so here we have the same phenomenon with electric field on these blood cells where they're repelling each other and that's the thinning the blood, normalizing the blood viscosity. And we did an actual study on this, and it was profound. It was really challenging to get published because nobody understood it. Nobody understood, uh, except for a couple of people, (laughs) that the blood is, uh, you know, dynamic, uh, electrically dynamic, in that it equalizes with you know, you eat good food, you drink water, and if, if there's some negative charge in it, that's going to, you know, be an electron donor, donate electrons to the body. And but, but anyhow, so our thought was, well, the blood's, you know, surface circulating once a minute. So if you thin the blood, then it can get in and out of the capillaries easier, because if blood, if if you have a lot of rouleau formation, then the blood gets too thick and it can't get into the extremity the extremities the capillaries and um so we we just tied that together and said okay by thinning the blood uh, or by grounding the body it normalizes blood viscosity thins the blood naturally then the blood gets in and out of the capillaries and that oxygenates the tissue and provides a, a an infant supply of electrons because the blood is coming in and out every minute and they, it can replenish itself wherever it's getting the ground from and um, <clears throat> so that's what's reducing the inflammation uh, but anyhow uh well, yeah Clint, but then we had to t- go ahead uh, let me yeah i was just going to jump in here um so I have, I have a couple questions. Uh, I mean, sure. first I want to just say your story is awesome. I mean, it's almost like an archetype where you, yep. <laughs> you know, you almost die and then this causes this awakening. You give away all these things that you thought were important, but yeah. aren't important anymore. Yeah. And uh, you travel around and then over time, this realization kind of gets uh, ingrained or, or, you know, it yeah. gets into you and then you discover gold, which I don't know. I just want to say that was really cool. Um, yeah, it's kind of yeah, yeah. I had to have that background, otherwise I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to look at this the way from the viewpoint that I did. Yeah, I looked at, I looked at the body electrically. Yeah. So so yeah. what uh, when you say pain, you know, arthritis and and that kind of thing. What types of pain is it? All types of pain? Or I, I mean, is it like fibromyalgia, or is it more of the osteo pain <laughs> that like you have from uh, you know <laughs> riding bulls in your youth? Well, no, it's like any kind of, um, whether it's acute pain or chronic pain. And let me give you an example. Um, 
if you have arthritis, you know, the older guys, they get in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on, the arthritis starts to show up. And the older they get, the more embedded it gets, and so they'll have flares. And so uh, you can put a patch, an electrode patch, like an EKG patch, connected to a ground cord, connect that to an electrical ground or an outdoor ground. And within five minutes, that it, the, the pain, the, the flaring pain, the pain that's coming from that arthritis stops. So what's happening there is <clears throat> you have tissue damage. Um, the immune system is it started out with you may be one cell, hmm. one pathogen, or or you know an overworked wrist or something, but there's tissue damage. So the neutrophils are sent in to clean it up, and in the process, they're producing these excess reactive oxygen species more than it needed, evidently, to reduce a pathogen, and they are. Uh, they're only going to last, you know, a few nanoseconds, and then they're going to steal an electron from the, the closest, the, the, the most, the closest thing in the environment that has an electron, <laughs> and that's obviously, you know, another cell. In this case, a healthy cell. So it damages. So these excess remaining radicals that are no longer grounded. The reason they're not grounded is because we started wearing shoes 60 years ago. Or, or started insulating ourselves from the earth. And so now the body's short of electrons. It's no longer negatively charged like it would be in nature. Hmm. Uh, an example, animals in the wild that live on the earth that are grounded at all times, they don't have cancer. They don't have heart cardiovascular disease, lupus, you know, MS, any of them. And um, <clears throat> But the animals who live indoors with their owners, they all manifest similar autoimmune diseases, inflammation-related health disorders as their owners. 50% of indoor animals die from cancer. Outdoor animals, it's a rare event. Indoor humans, 50%. So there's there's a corollary. And um, so anyhow, what it is, is we used to always be grounded, and, and that was our natural protection. That's the immune system's Mop. I mean, at any time there was an excess radical, it just the the free electrons from the earth mopped it up, prevented it from doing uh, the damage that we're talking about. Now, there's other types of charge in the body and everything else, but I'm talking about the body, you know, in a in a electrically gross state. But you know, for instance, the blood becomes negative, more negative. Yeah, so it sounds like what you're saying is that most of the modern day issues are because of this change over to rubber-soled shoes. I, mean, I think that's, I think most people who would hear that would be kind of uh, skeptical and amazed. Oh, no, everybody's skeptical. I mean, the guys, the guys are totally skeptical. They say, that's crazy. You know, you're, you're nuts. Was, was leather I mean, were, better? Well, yeah, leather is a semiconductor, so when you wear leather shoes, you hydrate them with the perspiration from your foot because your feet sweat a lot, and then you have the body salts and everything. So leather sole shoes are semiconductive, uh, so you're going to get electrons for sure if you're wearing a leather sole shoe, if you're wearing it all the time, um, and because it'll stay damp. If you don't wear them very often, then they'll dry out. <clears throat> but um, okay. But anyhow, so yeah. So the, yeah, the guys they all say, "Well, if this were true, I'd know about this. Somebody would have told this." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. And uh, the women kind of 
they kind of accept it because they don't like shoes. They kick their shoes off whenever they can at work. Most of them have their bare feet under the t- under the desk. At home, they rarely wear shoes in the house. Uh, so it's a different thing, but hmm. almost intuitive or something. Yeah. So what happened here was uh, in 204, uh, Ritger and that group back at Boston, Mass. Uh, there was some, uh, you know, they had been studying inflammation, or what they called inflammation. And we had been studying this um, grounding for like four years. And anyhow, they published a paper, and and it was written up in Time magazine. And on the front cover of Time magazine, it showed the body, and it showed flames, and, and it had the word inflammation. And they said, you do not have cancer. You do not have this health disorder, that health disorder. What you have is chronic inflammation. And it manifests differently in different people based on their genetics, their lifestyle, and their, you know, their living environment. And I had to sift through all of that. But what it was really saying was that you have to, I mean, inflammation is the fire that is going on in your body that is creating this tissue damage, which ends up manifesting as these health disorders. And so the concept is this. If the immune system, health is the body's most natural state. In nature, you can see it in the animal kingdom. You can see it in the plants world. You can see it in the insect world. Uh, So that's our health is our most natural state. So if you don't have health, then something is compromising your immune system. Your immune system is being taxed to the point that it can't restore and maintain health because that's it's the immune system is the number one uh, key to health and so what's happening here is when the body when the inflammation sets off in the body when it gets the fire gets started then the the immune system is you know producing uh, neutrophils to forever clean up the damage that is being created, and in the process, the chain reaction or the collateral damage is is what's starting the fire, and that's like burning a log. You put a match to it; it slowly builds up. So the electric and so the electrical system—it's almost like stimulating the immune system. That's kind of what you're saying. Well, <clears throat> no, the immune system is releasing. You have damage. You have first of all, you have the first initial damage where a, some reactive oxygen species are attacking healthy tissue. And then the immune system, because of that damage, the immune system sends more uh, neutrophils or whatever white blood cells that are necessary to try to clean that up. But in the process, because there's not enough redox potential or negative charge to reduce the remaining radicals that are left over each time a neutrophil does its uh, cascade. So so the immune system is being taxed. All the resources of the immune system are being um, spent on trying to put out the fire that it itself is feeding. Okay, gotcha. And, and so that's, so now the body can't take care of the normal things. I mean, the immune system can't take care of the normal things that restore and maintain health. So, so what what this whole story ended up being was was if you have a health disorder, then uh, you know that's inflammation related, and you can just go to Google and type any health disorder that you have or that you know, and type in the word inflammation, and up will come anywhere from a hundred to two hundred papers, you know, talking about how inflammation is. 
related, how it's related to inflammation. It's like cancer. Number one protocol for cancer, cancer now is uh, first thing is reduce inflammation because that's what started it. You have to clear the inflammation away so the immune system can go in and, and correct that situation. And um, <clears throat> so anyhow, the concept here is very simple. When you ground the body, you can't have inflammation in a grounded body because that's what grounding is about. When your body is grounded to the earth, just like a refrigerator or any other electrical appliance, when it's grounded to the earth, it conducts from the earth the negative surface charge of the earth, and it's at equal potential with the earth, meaning it's a negative, no charge. And then the immune system, the fire is instantly goes out. The inflammation in your body, the fire instantly goes out. If you have MS and it's neutrophils eating up the myelin sheath, you patch the hand, the, the pain stops, the, the inflammation stops. And I can, I, I can tell that woman at that time, you no longer have MS. What you have now is you have MS damage. As long as you're grounded, there will be no MS. Wow. And, but, you, but the healing and repair, that may take time. The damage is there, but now you have a healing problem or that you challenge that you have to deal with. So the concept here is very simple. We accidentally, um, you know, we invented light bulbs, we invented TV, we invented all of our modern things, but one of them was shoes, and we accidentally insulated ourselves from the earth, and completely, and as that grew, I mean, as the that insulation grew over the years with carpets and foam beds and um, shoes and all these things, today, 95% of the people wear a rubber sole shoe, were 60 years ago, 95% of the people wore a leather shoe. So <clears throat> that's the trigger that that we correlate everything with. Now, everybody can say, well, it's because of fruit, high fructose sugar and these things. They came along in the 70s, you know, and, and after, on, when this curve was already in place. So, and I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's EMF. Well, we had EMF since the 20s or, you know, earlier. But that they didn't show up on the curve until in the 50s. So what changed in our environment in the 50s started to change in the 50s. And it's very simple. It's the modern uh, carpets, shoes, television came along. We started spending more time in the house. We spent less time outdoors. And you have to correlate this with the animal kingdom because then, then it's cowboy logic. It makes sense. You know, take the horse out of the barn. If he's got arthritis and he's all stoved up, take him out of the barn, put him in the pasture and come back in six, eight weeks and he'll be all healed up and ready to go again. Hmm. Um, so it's the same thing. This is kind of ingrained in anybody that comes from, you know, the agriculture or animal world. Um, but we don't think about it. It's just it's it's called horse sense. You just know these things. Uh, you you know you don't know that grounding. We never knew that grounding prevented pain because when we were grounded, we never had pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's so, so interesting. I mean, one thing you mentioned along with pain was uh, EMF and also uh, diabetes. Now, I've, I've, yes. I've done some research into EMF quite a bit, and yep. one of the things they always talk about with people who are exposed to large amounts of EMF, like maybe smart meters or they live under a cell phone tower, is over time, it seems like they always have these same symptoms, which are loss of blood sugar control, uh, kidney malfunction, and then eventually type 2 diabetes. It, it kind of destroys the metabolism over time. So from what you've seen... 
does grounding counteract this? I mean, I mean, do you have you seen people, you know, maybe lose weight and have better metabolisms after they get grounded? Well, of course. I mean, when you get grounded, you you put the fire out, you you, re- you reduce the inflammation in the body, the immune system comes back, and then you give us some decent food. Now you've got energy again. The body can function. So here's here's the way I look at EMF and all of these things. I know a lot about all of this. Mm-hmm. I assumed that there was a problem with the EMF and until I spent a lot of time, 23 years, doing this. And it's like... They came along and they said, you know, it was the electrification of America that, you know, started all of these modern health disorders. And and uh, and they talked about it was became evident when they started uh, running uh, electrical in the rural areas, because it's whenever they started running the electrical, then uh, certain health disorders showed up. But what they didn't correlate was the growth of shoes. Or the growth of carpets, or the growth. There, it's the same period. It's the same curve. So, to say that EMF um, caused diabetes is insane. That is an inflammation-related health disorder. The uh, EMF is not going to create inflammation in your body. What's going to create inflammation in your body is uh, a loss of ground, loss of redox potential, not having enough free electrons to reduce reactive oxygen species when the immune system is doing its normal thing like it does all day long. The immune system has to 24-7 uh, clean up uh, damaged cells, replace cells. I mean, the, the immune system is going 100, you know, full 24-7, it's active, it's in there uh, cleaning up and, and whatever. So when you disrupt that system, that's what causes health disorder. So, but anyhow, EMF, when you are wearing rubber sole shoes standing in, in your living room, then your body is an antenna and it will attract and you will become electrified with that charge, just like static electricity or anything else. <clears throat> and and cell phones, that's a whole different thing. But But anyhow, so the reason we ground everything in the communications industry and shield everything is to prevent prevent what we call EMI, electromagnetic interference. So, and what happened with me and the EMF community, when I first ran into them, uh, I went to one of their meetings down in San Diego, and they asked me to explain grounding uh, to them. But before that, they were talking about, you know, how they train people to do, you know, come, come into the home with meters and measure all the electric fields and measure their lamps and measure their, you know, the pole, poles outdoors and all these things. And they would charge people a thousand dollars to do that. And then they would come back with a, uh, a report and anywhere from $2,500 to $25,000 to fix the electrical in their home so that they were safe, you know. Mm. <laughs> and I, I looked at this and I said, you know, I said, I don't really understand this. I said, because all you've got to do to protect the body is grounded, just like a refrigerator or any other thing. And I said, you can do that by with mats like we do in the ESD industry for employees. You can use wrist straps. You can use grounded floors, grounded shoes, all these things. And they said, well, and they didn't understand grounding. These people at that time, the only thing they understood is, is well, here's, here's a try, try, 
trimeter, and you can measure electric field, magnetic field, and so on. And and I looked at him, and I said, you know, you're measuring the wrong thing. Or a magnetic field, you can't stop no matter what. It'll go through brick. It'll go through anything. Uh, the electric field, the only thing, uh, it, it's if you ground something, then you're protected from the electric field naturally. Um, that's why we ground uh, electrical environments. That's why you ground the chassis of a of a receiver or a trans transmitter or anything electrical. Um, <clears throat> so anyhow, they just really they had a business built around going out and doing that. And I don't want to interfere with anybody else's business uh, or how anybody makes a living. You know, the world is a crazy place out there. <laughs> but anyhow, I took I I took uh, I took odds with them because. I said, you know, if you're going to, you can't go out and make claims and say that, you know, EMF caused diabetes or it caused MS or it caused anything. Um, <clears throat> because if that person were grounded, then they would never have it in the first place. But if they're ungrounded, then it's the, the immune system has been um, compromised. And that's what you know. That's the underlying mechanism that causes health disorder. Now, granted, environmental influences like electric fields and things. Here's the only way that an electric field could affect the human body. Uh, it can burn it if it's you know if it's close and you know high frequency. Like if you were to go up and hug a cell phone tower or something. Um, <clears throat> but that's not possible, and that's. That's that's prevent. That's totally can't happen. Um, so what happens is you, the human body. Uh, long time ago, we used to live in the woods, and we have a fight or flight system. So anytime there's uh, a noise, or we hear it, or we see things, or if there's like if there's a bear in the woods, is the, how I like to relate it because I've had this experience. Uh, if there's a bear in the woods, sometimes you can't hear him, you can't see him, you can't smell him, but the hair on your arms is telling you, telling you there's a bear in the woods. So we can sense each other electrically, electric fields from you know bodies and humans and plants and so on. <clears throat> but back then, we didn't have all this noise in our environment. We didn't have all this electrical noise, TV, you know, TV frequencies, sure. radio frequencies. All that stuff. So the the environment was electrically more quiet. The, the frequencies, and <clears throat> so you could feel or sense electrical frequencies from another live thing. Any warm body is putting out an electric field of some kind, and <clears throat> so your fight or flight, your sympathetic system would peak, and the cortisol would rise. And then your parasympathetic would release a few hormones just to modulate that or dampen that effect to give you a few seconds so that you can make a decision, a good decision to run or to fight or get prepared. And uh, uh, today, so that's built into us. We know that. Now, today, there is so much noise in the environment that we've lost a lot of our perception. It's like women, you know, if somebody drops a fork on the floor and, the, you know, a woman, I mean, she'll, you'll see a visceral response and that's her fight or flight kicking in. And a man, he'll just sit there and ask somebody dropped a fork you know, <laughs> and, and no response. So women are more sensitive than men are. And I think it has to do with, 
you know, they, they are protecting children and they're protecting each other. So they're, they're more sensitive. That's all. I'm not sure how to say that any better. Uh, so, um, but anyhow, so if there is an electric field and it's, and it's, Elevated. I mean, you know, static static charge in your home. If you walk across the carpet, you can create five thousand volts of static charge. It has to be three to five thousand before you would see a spark if you touched a door. Other than that, it's down around the five hundred or thousand volts. But you have high voltage on your body from static electricity almost all times. But it does bleed off into the if there's humidity in the air, especially. Um, so a lot of people with EMF, you're going to be experiencing a couple of volts of EMF charge. And the thing about static is it's DC where uh, electric fields from 60 hertz, is, you know, it's, it's oscillating 60 times a second. So if you're sitting next to a lamp and it's radiating an electric field, if you're a sensitive person, which uh, I can explain that because, uh, and it's probably good to do that because, uh, but anyhow, you can, if you're a sensitive person, the hair on your arm, that's, it's, it acts as an antenna, and it can sense things, and it sends signals into the body, and so it, you know, it um, peaks, or, you know, sparks the fight or flight. And, but now it's so subtle that, you know, and we're so used to it, the immune system um, doesn't respond very much once it gets used to the noise. It's like a magnet. You can put a magnet on the body. The first thing that's going to happen is the immune system. Some gonna, there's going to be some white blood cells rush to the area and say, what's happening here? And as long as nothing's happening, then eventually it'll, it won't respond to the magnet after a week or a few days or whatever. <clears throat> but anyhow, so what's going on here is uh, <clears throat> today we live in a sea of noise, a sea of frequency. Um, it's everything from 10,000 cell phones hitting you at one time to, um, you know, the TV, radio, uh, local radio, local police, fire, all those things, business business communication, air traffic. Um, and now we have satellites. And we have, it's just, it's relentless. If, if you could see frequencies, you wouldn't be able to, you'd be, you'd be pitch black because they're everywhere all the time. Um, so anyhow, today we are so used to living in this noise that um, uh, this is part of the problem. I'll give you a, a classic example that I've found. You mentioned fibromyalgia, lupus, MS. These are all the same family. So what happens is the, the woman, and it's primarily female. Uh, so here's a woman who is going about life, and uh, she gets up in the morning, and she's got kids, a husband to get off to work, and then she has to get ready to go to work in our modern world today. So she gets up, and she's on a dead run. And <clears throat> so anything that doesn't get done right, or, you know, the children are late, cortisol spikes. And then parasympathetic has to calm that down. And then she's driving a car, there's traffic, or she's walking on carpets, or she's exposed to whatever goes on throughout the day. But it's a lot of emotional stress also. Uh, so anyhow, what happens is, is her cortisol is being spiked. The fight or flight is kicking in many, many times a day. The parasympathetic, which is normally modulating that, was 
it, as time goes on, it, it becomes burned out. Your adrenals become exhausted. And so the, the working of the a parasympathetic is not there. And then the paras or the sympathetic is over responding. I mean, there's nothing to, there's nothing to stop it. So it's releasing more cortisol, releasing more cortisol, and then as time goes on, this creates anxiety and irritability. Um, eventually, inflammation, depression, and and then <clears throat> uh, you have phantom pain in the body, which is kind of emotional charge pain. Um, and this is related to um, fibromyalgia, a classic example. Um, and then, or there's a host of other things, you know, like MS, lupus, all of these. I've worked a lot with these ladies over the years, 24, 23 years of this. If you ask them, you know, a 35-year-old, what happened in your life before uh, MS manifest or fibromyalgia, whatever it is? And they'll tell you they didn't know. And and then then you can ask, well, it's not inheritable. So some event happened. And they'll say they don't remember. And then all of a sudden they'll say, okay, yeah, I remember, you know, a couple of years before this, and I'm thinking of a specific person. Uh, she said, <clears throat> um, we lost our house because of the 208 financial crisis. Uh, her husband lost his job. And something else went on, and then she eventually ended up getting a divorce. And then a couple years later is when MS manifest. So what happened was she went through a period of great loss. And she remained in a fight-or-flight state or a chronically elevated sympathetic state for too long, exhausted the adrenals, and then the body was continuously flooded with free, like, I mean, with um, cortisol, and then the anxiety, the irritability creates pain that creates more cortisol. So she got caught up in a vicious cycle. And then eventually the, the inflammation created uh, chaos in the body and that compromised the immune system and then MS took off. So, for instance, MS is, um, you know, neutrophils eating up the myelin sheath. And because there was damage, immune system or neutrophil came, did its original job, but because there wasn't enough redox potential to reduce the excess radicals, it did more damage. Another neutrophil comes and creates more collateral damage, and it just keeps burning. It's a slow burning of the of the myelin sheath on the nerves, and so <clears throat> um, so it's loss of ground and, and going into life. I mean, life is creating all the stress. If you could, if she could have grounded it out daily or went outdoors for a half hour every night when she got home, put her feet on the ground and drained that stress out of the body, drained the uh, cortisol out of the body, the inflammation out of the body. You can't drain the cortisol out, but the effect. And um, <clears throat> But anyhow, so they they live and sleep stressed. They go to work, they're stressed in there and they're compensating, you know, with maybe alcohol occasionally or maybe drugs or maybe uh, not necessarily hard drugs, but, you know, different mechanisms to cope. And and everybody ends up with these chronic uh, degenerative health disorders. And so it's all, the cause and effect is all over the place. But the main thing is the immune system. So okay, if they can get grounded, if they can get grounded, that will restore the immune system. If they maintain the immune system, it'll handle anything. 
Okay, so if if you're new to this, if you've never heard of this before, how often should you be ground per day? I mean, you mentioned that maybe 30 minutes a day would be good, or should somebody try and be ground all day? Well, I, I always start with this. Any amount of grounding is better than no ground, and I mean that, any amount. Um, but also, on the other hand, in nature, where we have mammals that have no health disorders, uh, they're grounded all the time, like the you know, the, the large animals, the coyote, the wolf, the ocean creatures, all of them, they're grounded all the time. So they don't have any health disorders. So in nature, we would be grounded 24-7. If we go back a couple hundred years, we were barefoot and we slept on the ground, we slept in caves, and, um, you know, we had health. And then as modern life developed, then we ended up interrupting that, and then disease became, you know, inflammation-related health, modern disease started to manifest. So what I tell everybody, if you can't do anything else, I mean, first of all, you need to experience this. So to experience it, if you're older and you can't walk or you don't want to you know, put a lot of energy, take a chair, go outdoors in the backyard where there's some grass. And if there is no grass, then take a hose and damp down the carpet, I mean, the uh, uh, concrete a little bit if it's dry <clears throat> and then take your shoes off put your feet directly on the earth because the concrete is earth and but grass is what I recommend <clears throat> and if you're younger uh, sit on the grass put your bare feet on the grass put your hands on the grass and just sit there for 30 minutes and notice you know that your your respiration becomes easier your skin color you're going to you're going to turn pink because the blood viscosity is changing you're going to have um, you, you, everything's going to shift. You're going to see a, um, uh, you, you know, your, your demeanor will change because you were stressed and tense and whatever. Now you're out there and you're draining that out of the body. And it's like I tell a lot of people, you know, you can't be angry and mad at the world or anybody if you're outdoors with in bare feet sitting on the earth because the earth discharges all of that stress and makes it go away. But, but anyhow, so First of all, learn about it, experience it. If you have health disorder of any kind or chronic pain of any kind, then spend, you know, a half hour, a minimum of a half hour outdoors in indirect sunlight and just stay grounded for that period of time and note what's going on in your body. Notice the changes. Notice you'll feel like your your body's trickle charging. You're the earth's a big battery, you're a little battery, and you're charging up and you're equalizing with the earth. That is actually happening. And then it's best if you can get some good sunlight, not direct sunlight, but good sunlight, because the second biggest problem we have today in the modern world is we live in, in homes with roofs. And so we don't get any sunlight. We work in buildings with roofs. So we, we've lost our sunlight. And, you know, that's photons coming from the earth hitting us. It, it affects our vitamin D. Uh, most people have a very low vitamin D down around, you know, 25, whatever, and it should be around 70 or 80 or above. And um, so, but anyhow, start by experimenting. Then, if you can't afford to do anything or don't want to do anything other than that, then spend, you know, when you get up in the morning, go out and stand on the grass for 15, 30 minutes. But most important, come home at night, go outdoors, put your feet on the earth, and stay there for at least 30 minutes, especially women. And this will drain the charge, the... Uh, inflammation the it'll put out the fire in your body 
Okay, and then and you'll is be able- there a difference between doing it on the earth versus doing it on like you know some kind of mat that plugs into the grounding cord in your wall? No, the, that's the mats are designed to replicate standing outdoors on the earth. But but most people aren't going to go there to begin with. Okay. <laughs> going to go and check and check it out. But anyhow, so start there, and then if if you, you if you understand this and, and experience and your experience is good and you feel better and your pain comes down and you're happier, then you probably want to be more grounded. So if you can't ground routinely yourself or have the time to do that, then these mats and everything that we have developed over the years they're all accidental products that are a result of doing our studies we had to have mats and for people to lay on stand on and patches and but anyhow these mats were we designed them um, because the subjects wanted them the researchers wanted them and their relatives wanted them and so we ended up making them and but in the process we asked people what what is the number one thing we can do because people aren't going to take time to get grounded that you know they're too busy and they won't comply more than a few days and so we decided well let's make a something they can sleep on because you put it on the bed then all they have to do is go home lay down go to sleep and do what they normally do no extra work no thought nothing just go to bed go to sleep and so that's how how we ended up making that mat. And then at the computer, the little uh, smaller mat, you can put your feet on it, sit on it, or put your computer on it, use it for a big mouse pad. But anyhow, so it grounds you and protects you and, and so on. So those products are available, um, but education is most important. Um, you have to understand it a little bit to make it make sense. And then once you do, if you can't do it routinely outdoors, these are... Um, tools that can ground yourself indoors. And in the future, we have to ground carpets, bedding, furniture, anything we sit, sleep, or walk. Shoes have to be, everything has to, we have to bring, you know, if if ground is part of what maintains the immune system electrically stable, then we have to build ground into everything on some basis. And and that will happen over the next twenty years. I won't. That's not my, my job. I've done my job. And uh, but anyhow, business. I mean, manufacturers will incorporate. It's they already make grounded carpets for clean rooms and for you know uh, mission critical environments and clean you know and so on. So they're readily available. Uh, grounded shoes are readily available for dynamite, gasoline, uh, people who work in clean rooms and all the like. Now, they're not very friendly for consumers yet, but that'll all happen. Um, so grounded beds, that'll show up. And in the meantime, we have a tool you can use until that happens. The problem is, it's like we talked to Nike a few times and others, and they said, well, you know, we don't want to make a grounded shoe until somebody comes into our store and wants one. So when the people come in, we'll make them. And that's kind of how it is. So it's a chicken and egg thing here. We need a lot of education, a lot of uh, uh, and then people are going to walk in and say, well, do you have grounded shoes? Do you have grounded mattresses? Do you have grounded furniture? You know, and then it'll come to, it'll come to be, and then everybody will take it for granted, you know, like we do the cell phone. <laughs> and, uh, but yes, uh, it's important, especially people whose health is compromised and you want to recover. Yes. Then these, these devices that we're talking about, they're, ex- they're extremely important. Uh, to be able to sleep grounded, uh, 
to be able to work, put the patches on issues where you have flaring pain, uh, like arthritis or lupus or MS or anything that flares, uh, Parkinson, uh, even you know, <clears throat> autism, Alzheimer's. All these are inflammation-related health disorders. So you have to ground the body, stop the fire, and it stops the advancement of the of these health disorders. But if if you're really challenged, then you have to be grounded more than a half hour. Okay. But again, some people can't ground more than that at a time. Some people don't have any more, have any money, and that's free, and it's highly recommended. Um, so it's it's an, this is an educational movement, and we're supplying these things that we supply are nine one one tools, I guess, to get you by until uh, the modern world uh, reinvents itself and integrates grounding into you know like a value added into a mattress yeah so what where can people find you or your website or your book well <clears throat> the earthing institute is a good resource for everybody um, <clears throat> it's uh, earthinginstitute.net and that's all of our studies are published there and there's thousands of reports from people and their stories and questions and answers and all that kind of stuff um, and that's just a resource where all the research and everything is deposited. Earthing.com, uh, they sell all of these devices. And um, the movie that you probably want to watch is called The Earthing Movie. It's uh, uh, available free on uh, YouTube. There's no commercials in it. And it's also available free on Amazon Prime and a host of other areas, but those are the two most common. And it's a hour and 15 minute documentary that kind of gives you a really good understanding by uh, a body of evidence uh, that supports all of this by credible people. Uh, everybody from retired FDA uh, uh, people to doctors, know, PhDs, you know, doctors, yeah. everybody. And, and people that everybody know, like Deepak Chopra and Joe McCall and people like that. Anyhow, it's um, so the book is available on Amazon. Uh, I think they include one free with every product that anybody orders. Uh, the movie is free. And, and again, it's really, we appreciate all the support because all the money goes to doing more research and educating more people. And there are... You know, there are a lot of people that are starting to come out with other products, and, and we're trying to figure out how to it, – It's you're not going to be able to stop other people from doing this, but it's really important that because it affects health, then the function has to be there. Uh, it has to deliver the goods, and, and it has to be done safely. So that's what we try to lead, and that's what we're trying to do with the Earthing Institute is put together a uh, protocol and a platform so that – they certify that they actually do what people claim they do, um, shoes and, and okay. the like. Well, Clint, I think that's probably a good place to stop unless uh, unless okay. there's any other subjects you <laughs> want to jump into that uh, you think we missed. No, I, the only thing it's um, – the only thing that, that this has to be taken very seriously because everybody is – their health is compromised. And it's not about grounding us alone. It's a message from nature. We have stepped out of nature. We have disconnected from, uh, you know, electrically. Um, we we've given up the sun. We've we we 
our food is all packaged in fast food now. And But it's time for everybody to stop because health is the business of the day. You know, 25% of the gross national product is healthcare now. That's not right. Uh, there's, you know, our children's health is compromised. So I, I think it's important that everybody at least take and play with this a little bit, learn about it, teach your kids about it. Anybody who has chronic health disorder, uh, get them a chair, <laughs> put them outdoors, <laughs> and, and, and educate. This is about education, and uh, it is free, um, and there are tools to help people cope with it. Because, you're, you know, the, the pads and stuff, they don't do anything at all. All they are is extension cords that connect you with the earth. It's the energy of the earth and your immune system that are that's what this is about it's reconnecting your body with the earth so that the immune system can remain electrically stable recover and restore and maintain your health wow be happy be happy yeah, well clint sir thank you so much for coming on like i said it was an honor yeah. and uh yeah it's just a fascinating story you have to tell yeah. and I, i'm totally a believer now i mean i uh i started grounding myself just a couple of weeks ago, and I have noticed such uh-huh. a difference in sleep and calmness. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't sit in my computer for more than I don't know three hours or so before I'd have to. I don't know. I just feel weird. I'd have to get up and and go somewhere. Yep. Whereas mm-hmm. now, with a little grounding I'm, bracelet, I can sit here for all day, and it's just yeah, it's pretty I, amazing. It's in, and your and your energy's still there at the end of the day. That's important. Yes, yes, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so. It's it's crazy. I can't believe it took me twenty years to, to do this. And but on the other hand, it's we didn't disconnect it over in you know overnight. And it's going to take sixty years to fix all the things that we've you know well, done to ourselves. It's so dang simple, you know. It's like why why didn't we think of this? <laughs> well, that's a lot of people. A lot of researchers. A lot of uh, PhDs. A lot of people say, how did we miss this? And they come up, the conclusion is that everybody's always looking out there. They're, they're not looking inside. They're looking, you know, in the environment or they're looking at, you know, other things, yeah. trying to blame it, blame it on something else. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had an experience in my late 20s, so I'm like almost 35 now. So a little while ago where they installed at my apartment, like one of those bays of smart meters, 11 or 12 smart meters, like right yep. behind my kitchen. Uh-huh. And I had... Oh, I had no idea yeah. what was happening, but I, I went insane over like two months. I thought I was going to die until I figured out, oh, this electrical, you know, this EMF is, is really affecting me. And so I had to move and stuff, but I had no idea about grounding at the time. You know, I didn't, I didn't even think about yeah. that. So it's just. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the issue I have with EMF is not that EMFs, if you can prudently avoid EMF, you should. I should have made that clear. The, the, one of the, the attention I was trying to bring to it was EMF is not the problem. The problem is that you're disconnected from the earth. You're no longer grounded because if you were grounded, then you would be naturally protected from EMF. But EMF is a secondary effect of being ungrounded and having our immune system compromised. Once your health is compromised, then EMF are problematic. So that's great. I'm glad you. I'm glad you found Earthing, and I'm glad you uh, joined the joined the team here and help get the message out there and help as many people as we can. Well, thanks so much. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, namaste. When I contacted Clint to be on this show, I was already experimenting with grounding and noticing health benefits. 
like I mentioned to him, you know, I could work for longer on the computer. I was sleeping better. Uh, my weight, which has been slowly coming off over time since I started the whole raw meat experiment, uh, that was plateauing. And all of a sudden I started losing weight again. So I, overall, I was pretty jazzed up <laughs> about grounding. And as an aside, I want to say that is one of the coolest parts of having a podcast. If I'm really interested in something, I can contact the experts and often you know, at least one of them is going to be down for an interview. It's a great way to learn and network. So, uh, but one of the things that Clint said, which was so fascinating, is that humans and possibly other animals use electrical signals as a trigger for our flight, uh, our fight or flight mechanism. So Clint was talking about how you can sense a bear in the woods without really hearing or smelling or just being aware of him in any other way, except uh, the hairs on your arm raise up from an electrical signal. Now, if that's true, that really connects a major dot for me, which is why is our society going insane? Why are health problems spiraling out of control, right? Why is obesity continuing to climb? You know, all the cures for obesity out there from alka, uh, from alkaline diets to uh, keto, you know, none of these are really putting a dent in the overall demographic trend. Why are people not connecting to God, like their inner truth and inspiration, which would give them the wisdom to see through a lot of these lies out there? Well, one of my explanations for all these fun things, along with seed oils and pesticides and all that fun stuff, uh, has been EMF. But Clint really connected that the EMF triggers the the fight or flight system within us. So instead of that little bump higher from the bear, which would be natural, uh, the EMF is constant and, and the sympathetic nervous system doesn't turn off, which eventually burns you out and, and shows up as, as one of these chronic diseases. And so the, the dot that he connected for me is that the EMF is actually a natural system that's kind of gone haywire. It's like it's there. It, it was always in us. We're, we're were designed on a very subtle level to be able to detect electrical fields. And now we've kind of taken that and, and gone nuts with it. Now, my solution was avoidance. And, and maybe that's the right answer for people like me. But grounding, that may be able, at least for the healthy people, to resist EMF enough that they don't spiral down into hell when they get exposed to a lot of it. Uh, grounding may also be able to bring the people harmed by EMF, like me, back to health. I mean, I loved when he said to the lady who had MS, you don't have MS anymore. You have MS damage, which may take a while to heal, but you don't have MS. I mean, that was, that was great. For myself, I am going to be grounded as often as I can now, and in as many ways as I can. I, I have a couple grounding sheets on my bed. I have a grounding bracelet that has a very long cord that I can plug into wherever I am. So if I'm by my computer, I can plug it in there. If I'm in the kitchen cooking something i can plug it in there and it's long so i can kind of walk around a little bit but if you want to try grounding out i will say that when i first started grounding just as a heads up i was tired all the time so i'm normally a pretty energetic like go-getter type of person uh and i did this grounding for about a week and i felt like i was just dragging the whole time uh and this would make sense right because it was draining out the fight or flight out of me as, as clint would put it and when the weekend came, I decided just to have a totally lazy day. Uh, I got up at the normal time, I ate breakfast, then I ended up going back and laying down in bed, and I dozed for like three hours. 
Uh, after that, I just watched YouTube videos for most of the day. And just let me say, this is this is not normal for me. This is nuts. I am not someone who normally is good at resting. I usually need to work. And, and I have a lot of passion. I mean, I do this podcast. I also trade the stock market pretty actively, although I, I do don't really talk about that much. Um, I have a job as well. Well, you know, the question is, how does someone do all these things, which all take time? Well, I work all the time. I, you know, I do things on the weekends. I'm, I'm always working. But that lazy day, man, I have never felt so rested after that day. I just felt this complete feeling of renewal. And since then, I don't get tired anymore from grounding. And if anything, it, it sometimes gives me energy. So there was some type of work that needed to get done in my body, some needed rest uh, that, that the grounding facilitated. And I will also say that it seems like the more grounding contact you have, the more intense it is. So if you just have the bracelet on, if I have the bracelet on, it's, it's like, okay, good, I'm grounded. But if I have the bracelet on and I'm laying on a grounding sheet, it seems like I get even more tired. Um, so there, there's just, you should know that if you're gonna get into this, you might get a little sleepy. I also want to say I've been more mentally calm since that day. I noticed that the more uh, the more tired I am, the less calm I feel. Uh, when I'm tired, I feel like I need to do things, which is kind of strange. Uh, but if you do experiment with grounding, just let me know what kinds of reactions you have. Uh, let me know what uh, you experience. And But yeah, thanks so much for listening. Uh, I will have the links in the show notes where you can look at Clint's website along with the studies and his book. Uh, I really appreciate him coming on and I appreciate you listening. Please share this podcast if you did get value from it. I'll see you next time.